In our first two episodes, we heard from Sophie Hearn and Kitty Sushni, both of whom grew up in the center of Vienna. Not so with our next interviewee, Lily Tauber. Back then, she was Lily Shisha, and she will tell us about growing up in a small town in Austria. My parents lived in two villages in the province of Lower Austria, my dad came from Grodnitz, and my mother from Prine under Rax. Back then, at the turn of the century, they would have these events for young Jews to meet other young Jews. And in 1908, my father, Wilhelm Shishka, met my mother, Johanna Friedman, at a Purim party. The very next day, my father rode his horse and buggy to my mother's house, and a few months later, they were married. They moved to the town of Wiener Neustadt. My father was a master tailor and opened a menswear shop. My brother, Eddie, was born in 1914, and I was a big surprise when I was born in 1927. We were an observant family. We had a kosher home and celebrated all the holidays, and every Friday we said kiddush over a glass of wine. Then came March 12th, 1938. On that day, while walking to school, Andrea, my good friend and the daughter of a non-Jewish doctor, did not show up to walk with me. I didn't understand she'd walked with me every day before. I remember coming home that afternoon, and I could feel the tension. Of course, I didn't understand. What could an eleven-year-old understand about suddenly, overnight, being turned into a foreigner in her own town? A few weeks later, father was forced to sell the shop. I remember he said he had been, how did he put it, advised to sell our house. Then things got worse people began spitting at mother's feet. I wasn't allowed to go to regular school anymore, so the Jewish community set up a classroom in a little prayer room. We were about 30 students. It wasn't a real school, but at least we could learn something and be together. My brother Eddie wasn't going to wait around. He kissed us all goodbye and slipped away. A few weeks later, we got a postcard from Palestine. So at least one of us was safe. Thursday, November 10th, 1938. The sky was cloudy and we were at school. At 10 a.m., a man rushed into the classroom and whispered in my teacher's ear. The teacher told us to go home right away. Something bad was happening. When I arrived back home, my parents just looked confused. Why did you leave school so early? They asked. An hour later, we found out when someone started banging at the door. We just looked at each other. They took my father away. 
My mother and I had no idea what to do, and we panicked. We went around to neighbors and started asking around. No one knew anything. On our way home, we saw two cars parked by our house. The wooden gate had been smashed, and SA men were inside, tearing everything apart. They made us follow them to the synagogue, where all the other women and children were locked inside. The SA officers threw hay on the floor, and told us if we were cold, to just use the Torah scrolls as blankets. In the morning, we children were led to the courtyard of the synagogue, and forced to walk in circles. I will never forget this as long as I live. People from the Wiener Neustadt, our neighbours. Looked on from the gate, and laughed. Grown-ups, children, grandparents, all jeering at frightened Jewish children. They did let us go home, and waiting there was my father. First thing he said was, "I've got to get you out of this country." The three of us moved to Vienna to live with relatives, and every day my parents went to the Jewish community to find a way out. It was the middle of March, 1939, and one night, my parents took me to Vespanhof. Dozens of other Jewish families were there too with their children. Each of the children was given a red tag to hang around our necks with a number on it. Police were everywhere. My parents kissed me, and I took my seat, and looked out of the window at them. We waved goodbye. I did my best not to cry. As the train started to move, I kept my face to the window, watching my parents fade away. We were on our way to England. I'm not sure how long it took, but I do know I arrived with one suitcase, and without a word of English. We didn't need it at the start. We were in a Bnei Brith hostel, and all of us spoke German. But in August, I was sent to a local school, and I was the only foreigner in my class. Everyone stared at me as if I was something from another world. My teacher would pull me aside to teach me English, but I was lost, completely at sea. But in time, my English got better, and oh, how I loved school! Then the war broke out. A few weeks after I started, it was unsafe in London, so a group of the Kinder Transport refugees were sent to live in Cockley Clay near Norfolk with a wealthy sixty-year-old woman. She was part of the aristocracy and lived on a huge estate. We lived in her house. Lady Roberts made sure we had kosher meat, and we even had our own cook. She also gave us an allowance, and we went often to the cinema and to temple. I really did feel at home, but oh, how I missed my family! I wrote long letters to them, some eight pages, begging for more details from Vienna. Their letters got shorter and shorter, then they stopped coming altogether. I had no idea where they were. It never occurred to me. That they could be dead. 
When I turned 15, I had to work. It was 1942, the war was still on. I moved back to London and became a dressmaker in a tailor's shop. And like so many others, I joined Young Austria, a communist organization that said we should return to Austria and build a better country. In thinking of how I watched so many Austrians turn into Nazis, that sounded right to me. The war ended in May 1945. Some friends were staying in London, some were going to America. And I was finally thinking, maybe my parents really aren't alive anymore. I had to find out for sure. I returned to Vienna in October 1946. My Aunt Berta had survived and she was waiting for me. The day after I arrived, Berta handed me a small leather suitcase. I looked at her. I looked at the suitcase. I opened it. And there were all the letters I had sent my parents. And something else. There were letters and even a few pictures that my parents had sent from a Nazi ghetto in German-occupied Poland to a non-Jewish friend who gave them to Berta. That's when I learned that my parents had been deported on February 26th, 1941, the name of the town was Opola. I started to read the letters my parents had sent from there. They were so very, very frightened. Father wrote his final letter in September 1941, just before Rosh Hashanah, the new year. Soon we'll be at the beginning of a new year, and we pray for the same thing we prayed for last year, but in vain— to see our children again. What will the new year bring us? Will God finally have mercy on us and reunite our family? We will soon see. I do not know where they murdered my father and my mother. No one does. Either Belzec or Sobibor. I just know the ghetto was cleared out of Jews between March and October 1942. Almost no one sent to Opola came back alive. Berta was able to get back her family's store in the village of Prine. The family that Arianized it had run away. Berta took me with her. We worked together. I had no one else. I was 19 years old by then, and Berta wanted me to meet someone. I told her I would never marry a non-Jew, not in Austria, of course, she understood. A few weeks later, family friends invited me to meet them in Café Mozart, just behind the opera in Vienna. They introduced me to a very handsome young man, Max Tauber. Max had been born in Vienna. He fled with his family to Palestine and worked as a shoemaker. He and I got married on New Year's Eve in 1953. Max and I had two sons, and I ran a Jewish household. Max worked in a shoe factory here, then the post office. We have had a good life in Vienna. Max couldn't imagine living anywhere else, but then no one in his immediate family had been murdered. 
They were all lucky enough to have left in 1935, three years before the Germans marched in. And that remained the difference between us. Looking back, if I were to do things over, I would not have returned from England. Even after all these years, I feel homeless. I could never trust non-Jewish Austrians, especially after what they did to my family. If someone asked me where I felt at home, I would still answer, that would be England. It is where I found refuge. It is where I felt safe. Lily Tauber was read for us by Sarah Kestelman in London. Sound design and music by Patrick Schmidt in Vienna. Tanya Eckstein interviewed Lily for us in 2003. Lily Tauber passed away in 2020.